Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. I'm here today with Spring to answer your questions about sex, love, relationships, sexual health, body, body image, Instagram, whatever it is, we're here. So uh, ask us your question. How are you, Spring? I have questions to ask you too. Oh, do you? What questions do you have for me? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. No, just kidding. Um, Do you have any fun plans for this weekend? I'm going to a, a nice little vacation spot to get away and relax. I think I might leave my cell phone at home. I'm really oh. looking forward to it. So, yeah, I'm doing something for the long weekend. I'm going to some kind of camp, creative, sustainable camping thing for the weekend. <laughs> Did you say camping? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I... Like glamping. I There's a cabin and um, like a shower. I think it's in a tent. Um, I'm not too sure about that part. I'm leaving all of that to other people. But... I normally go camping about once every few years, and it's one of those things that um, is a little painful for me because I like to take a lot of baths. <laughs> and uh, then after a few years, I forget how much I don't like it, and I agree to go again. <laughs> it's kind of like having a baby, I think. <laughs> that's, that's about how Whoa. painful it is for me. <laughs> Did you know I was in Boy Scouts for a very long time? I was in Girl Scouts for a very long time. I did a ton of camping and I never liked it. Um, so one time I was a Boy Scout camp and I figured out like uh, there was a special lodge that actually had a shower in it. And my big, my big issue with it is like, I don't want to be dirty. Like I want to be nice and sparkly clean every single day. Um, and like dirty boys, dirty showers, cold showers, none of that appealed to me. But I found out like if you snuck into this room, there was like heated water in a lodge. So like my third or fourth time at Boy Scout camp, I was like, I got this. And I was totally clean and I felt a lot better. So I was sitting there in my little purple shorts and my little pink shirt, walking around Boy Scout camp, getting merit badges, clean, <laughs> shiny. Um, yeah. So you, you're doing it for this whole week. Since I've become an adult, I've been camping um, one weekend. Um, and that was more than enough. Now I'll go camping if there's like a cabin and a hotel room and a cabin and a hotel room. <laughs> well, I mean, one or the other is fine with me. Like I would go camping at Disney's campground because you stay at a cabin and it's a resort. There you go. Yeah. I'm a little nervous, but uh, just not going to, not going to think too much about it before it happens. Just let it happen and see where, see where it all goes, you know, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so, um, good luck. I wish you the best. Um, feel free to text me if your cell phone will work wherever you're going. <laughs> but I probably won't have mine with me, so I won't respond. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, so supportive. Uh, I am of camping. <laughs> Gross. Gross. There's bugs, everybody. There's bugs and dirt. And there's no shower. And you get greasy. And people smell bad. And everything smells like fire. I love fire. Camping. Okay. So... so. <laughs> 
Today's question is actually like a 25-part question. Um, we've had a whole bunch of different people submit kind of different aspects of it. Um, and they're all sort of around the idea of what is your sex life like on antidepressants? Or what are the changes that happen? Or people feeling really uncomfortable with changes once they go on like Pro Prozac, Paxil, any of the SSRIs or anti-anxiety kind of drugs. So how do I cope with these changes like maybe I'm feeling better emotionally, cognitively, but I'm no longer feeling either sexually attracted or attractive. Um, I'm not feeling turned on. I can't get an erection. I can't have an orgasm as a male or a female. I don't have any sex drive. I don't feel connected to my partner anymore. It's a big yeah. question. Yeah. And we get, we've had so many questions about this and um, we've kind of been waiting for a while to answer it, I think. But I mean, it's, it's just like your life shouldn't be one or the other. Like your life shouldn't have to be, you know, I can feel good mentally or I can feel good sexually. And we know that sexual health, sexuality, like feeling fully sexual is like a huge part of mental health. And so like to actually say that, you know, you have to choose one or the other um, to either, you know, be on an antidepressant and feel better emotionally, but then not have any sex drive is ridiculous. Like we need to be able to find an answer and to, uh, you know, be able to have both have have your cake and eat it too, I think. I mean, there's a whole bunch of research that shows that if you are feeling good and having sex, the sex is better. And then if you have good sex, the good sex makes you feel better. So then you feel better. So you have more good sex. It's one of those cycles where if you get yourself in a positive head, like sex is good for your mental health and good for your body and good for how you feel about yourself too. Um, and it's one of those things that I think a lot of doctors don't talk about with their patients when they put them on antidepressants, that there might be some changes where you know, you might feel worse in a lot of ways about your life uh, because you're no longer feeling sexually fulfilled or unable to fulfill a sexual partner in the way that you did before. Um, so a lot of this, I think the onus of the problem goes to the person who's prescribing it probably should have that conversation first. Communication. Communication. Oh, is that the answer to our question? Uh, <laughs> I think Again. it's a little bit more complicated than just communication, but I think communication is a huge deal. So if you, I mean, so if the doc, if your doctor or psychologist or psychiatrist isn't talking to you about it, you should talk to them about it. Yeah. And so a lot of people have trouble bringing up um, sex with their doctors at all. Um, and a lot of doctors don't ask about it. We know that a lot of doctors feel uncomfortable asking their patients about it and they wait for a patient to bring it up to have any conversations. Um, that's very often the case. And that's, you know, around all areas of sexuality and sexual health. So if you're on an antidepressant and you have been feeling affected in some way sexually, you do really need to bring that up with your doctor. And there are different antidepressants and ones that have less of an impact on your sexual arousal and your sexual response cycle. And so there is this actual imperative for you to go to your doctor and have that conversation. So, I mean, Andrew, what do you think is like, what, what can make that easier? What 
if you're feeling uncomfortable about bringing that conversation to your doctor, what could be something to make that feel a little safer? So something that I typically do is I I ask, like whenever people come talk to me about issues that they want to talk about with their doctor, but they're embarrassed, I'm like, make yourself a little note card. Like remember when you give a speech or, you know, if you're about to give a speech at school and you have like that little note card in front of you with the little prompts and the bullet points. Like when I go to, even when I go to the doctor, I know what I want to talk about with them and I want to make sure they focus on the issues that I think are most important. Um, I have my little note card and I'm like these, well now I use my phone. So it's like a text message to myself (laughs) with the eye, but uh, go with a little card. And if you need, you can even give it to them to read. So you don't even have to say necessarily the stuff out loud if you're really uncomfortable, but go prepared with a little note card that has like, I want to talk about my sexual health and my desire. I want to talk about my libido. I want to talk about my orgasm. Those are all things that you should be able to talk about with, well, with anybody Really, like you can come, you can come talk to us about it at any time. <laughs> and we're both doctors, but we're not that kind of doctor. Um, but I think that if you go in there with just like a little cheat sheet, or if you go in there prepared to talk about it, or go with a friend, right? If you've talked to a friend about it, um, you know, give them a little sheet to our podcast and tell them to listen to this episode and say, <laughs> hold on, before my uh, meeting with you, my appointment, I need you to listen to this because I yeah. need you to listen to me because my sexual health is part of my mental health. Yeah. And I really like that idea of having someone to support you when you're feeling uncomfortable, you know, having, uh, I like to have friends go with me to doctor or dentist visits a lot of the times just because it makes it fun for me and makes me not worried about, you know, whatever's going to happen. And then it also always helps to have somebody with you in a doctor's visit when you're asking questions, because sometimes you are a little excited or anxious and you might not be able to fully listen to all of the responses. Whereas someone who's slightly removed from that, as in it's not their personal body, uh, they can remember those things a little better and actually then talk with you about them later and remind you of some of the things that the doctor said. So yeah, I love that idea. I mean, there's actually full-time people called patient advocates whose their entire job is to help manage that communication with the doctor to make sure that your needs are being met and that the doctor or and you understand whatever the doctor might be saying. Um, but I think we can also talk about some personal things that someone would do um, in this situation. So let's say you're on uh, an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety education or medica- education, medication, um, and you're not feeling sexy, you don't feel like you have sex drive, or you don't feel like you're fulfilling your partner. What are some things that you can do to kind of address this? We're, we'll get back and we'll talk more about the medical side with doctors in just a few minutes. But what are some of the strategies that we can use in this situation? Well, I think that there's this kind of idea, like once you haven't been having sex for a while, if you haven't been feeling turned on, um, you know, that then it has to be like this really like big thing to get you into that space, like to get you out of this like funk or this drought or whatever it is. But I think that, you know, part of it is just finding some um, emotional desire. So like there's this physical desire that we feel and there's also this emotional desire that we can cultivate. And so if the physiological part is where we're having some troubles because of the antidepressants, I think we can focus a little bit more on that emotional part and see how we can create some emotional intimacy with our partner. So 
things that you find romantic or things that you find um, make you feel closer to your partner, I would start with some of those things. And I mean, those are different for everybody. It could be, you know, like uh, having some cuddle time on the couch. It could be uh, watching the sunset together, you know, anything that kind of like sparks that um, emotional intimate connection with somebody that would be a kind of first step right and i mean for a lot of people who are on antidepressants that emotional connection really feels deadened like it doesn't feel very strong but cognitively you can sit there and you can work on ways to improve and enhance and focus on it right but you have to make it a priority like create a checklist which doesn't sound very romantic, but a checklist that leads <laughs> to romantic interactions with people. Um, and I want to talk about the other side. So Spring was talking about the emotional piece. I want to talk about the cognitive piece, right? Um, so if you're on an antidepressant, you might not have very much sex drive, but what you can do is you can think cognitively about it. Like I want to be there for my partner or I want to feel intimacy or I want pleasure. Um, and then you can work on it from that direction as well. Like what are the steps that I need to take to feel better about my interactions with myself and with my partner sexually? And how can I take my sexual health in hand? <laughs> Get it? Sexual health <laughs> in hand. Um, and, and really focus on making sure that I'm meeting my partner's needs and then work on your own needs as well. Um, we need to take a short break. So we will be right back with the second half. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to those amazing commercials. <laughs> no, okay. So we were just talking about uh, what ways that people can can work on dealing with a uh, lack of libido. Um, I think we should talk about lack of orgasm for just a few minutes too. Um, so overall, uh, and Spring and I have talked about it on multiple episodes in. American culture and many cultures around the world, there's this huge emphasis on orgasm, especially male orgasm, as the most important part of any sexual interaction. And if someone goes on an antidepressant, all of a sudden, it can be really elusive, hard to get or almost impossible to get, right? And we've said it before in other episodes that, you know, one of the things that you can do to really improve your sexual performance and sex life is... Don't focus on orgasms. <laughs> right. I mean, so work to take the focus off of the <laughs> orgasm and put it on the process. Because all of sex is fun. Pre-sex is fun. Foreplay is fun. Sex play is fun. Penetration, oral, anal, vaginal, whatever you're into, that's fun. Like the whole thing is fun. Um, orgasm is also great. Like, right? Like either having one yourself or helping someone else attain one feels good too. But not having that part or having that part be difficult doesn't diminish all of those other really great parts of being close with another person or people. And the other thing, when we're talking about take the focus off of orgasm, I mean, I think, and of course, we always say communicate, actually talking with your partner about saying, you know, um, it might not be possible for me to orgasm. And so, like, let's not wait for that. Let's not be looking for that to happen at all. And let's like, set something else that we want to have happen during this or or look forward to doing this activity later on in the course of our events if you want to look forward to something in some way. But like thinking about it, um, not only focusing on the other parts, but actually maybe like 
totally taking it off the table and saying, we're not doing that. Like maybe neither of us are going to orgasm because that feels a little stressful to one of you. Um, so that you're making it totally about something else so that um, it's not just the focus. It is, is everything when we take away that orgasm. Um, And then if one happens, and it's actually probably much more likely to happen if you take the focus off of it, the way our brains work, they get, I'm I'm sure many people here, you kind of ruminate, you go in circles and you focus on this one thing, you really want this one thing. And then when it doesn't happen, you feel bad about it and it makes it harder to get. Um, Taking that focus off actually increases the chance that you just might have one anyway. But not that that's the goal. Right. It's not the goal. We're not saying take the focus off so you could have one, but it might be like a nice silver lining. Happy accident. (laughs) That's what I was. Um, Another thing that you can do that can really help is, uh, so if you yourself are feeling really low libido, if you feel like you're not going to be able to get erect, if you feel that penetration is not going to work for you, no lubrication, whatever it is, um, you know, you can take sex and intimacy and you can make it so that you're focused on your partner's needs, right? So you say like, you know what, this is going to be all about me being there for you and me helping you and me making sure that you feel the best that you can feel. Um, So once again, it's kind of like taking the focus off of orgasm. Um, If you really aren't feeling much libido yourself, you can always focus on your partner's needs as well and really make sure that they have a great experience. And typically that will help you feel better as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I also like, you know, um, thinking about what are these other activities that you can really focus on. And I mean, like massage is one of those things that is, um, you know, very intimate. And like, if you do, uh, nude massage and you're doing that with a partner, like that can be very close to a sexual interaction, you know, where you are getting very sexy all over your partner and you can have like just a very beautiful time and have that connection and have all of these things and have the oxytocin increase that's like making you feel better. Um, and so like just, just totally thinking outside of the, uh, penis and vagina or, penetration kind of box and thinking about, you know, how else can, uh, how else can we feel better? How else can we get really connected and how can we get our bodies and minds kind of engaged together? I'm really surprised you didn't say take a bath together. Cause once again, baths <laughs> aren't necessarily sex, but they can be really intimate and close and feel really like, you know, sitting in a hot soapy puddle of water all close to somebody else can, is an amazing experience. It can be an amazing experience. Every partner I've ever had is also surprised I didn't just say that. (laughs) Spring takes a lot of baths, everybody. (laughs) Taking us back to the why camping is a problem. Um, All right. So, I mean, there's a ton of other strategies, right? Because we enjoy many parts of our lives. Now, if you're depressed and you're not feeling like you have joy in anything, then once again, you can work on some of those cognitive or emotional pieces or like, well, what are the things I used to enjoy and what can I do with my partner to help kind of get me more in that sort of mood? Um, now, we're not trying to say during this episode uh, at any point that we're not saying your depression isn't real, that your depression isn't valid, that you... that you need to have sex or if you're feeling depressed or if there's anything wrong um, with treating your depression, right? We're not saying any of those things. If you're doing things so that you feel better, that's great. What we're really trying to say throughout this is that if you are getting some kind of treatment for your depression and it's making you feel bad about your sex life, then focus on some of these other kinds of strategies. Um, 
And at the beginning of the episode, Spring mentioned um, there are some uh, antidepressants that actually have fewer sexual side effects. Wellbutrin is actually uh, the one that has the fewest. Um, we actually are going to post a couple links to the articles if you want to bring those to your doctor's office with you. That's something that I often do. Like, hey, hold on. I want to talk to you about this. And here is a research article that backs up the thing that I really want to know. So we're, we've included a couple of those. Um, but there are dozens, probably hundreds of different uh, kinds of antidepressants and anti-anxiety agents. Um, you can use, I mean, if, if you work on going through them, you can probably find something that has less of a negative effect on your sexual health. Um and or sexual responding and still helps deal with whatever your depression and anxiety may be. And I mean, that's, that's a quite a long process too. like actually trying different medications. Isn't something, you know, you can just do in a couple of weeks, like, cause you have to wean off one and then gradually go on the other and then be on it for a while to see how it affects you. And so that is, that is a commitment to, um, you know, try to find one of the antidepressants that will work for you and might not affect your, um, sexual response cycle, whatever part of it was feeling affected as much. And so, um, we're also not minimizing like the difficulties here and we acknowledge, you know, that that is, um, a big challenge. And so, um, and I think that, you know, the research does show us that Wellbutrin is the one that's causing the least side effects sexually. So I would say, you know, actually try starting with that one if you're going on an antidepressant and you're concerned about the sexual potential side effects, um, because that might be the best chance. Um, Another thing that we really highly recommend is that if you are struggling or dealing with depression or anxiety or in treatment for it, um, Something that's happened in the United States over the past 30 years is that people who are people who are trying to handle depression, they go, they get medication and they take medication thinking that alone is going to help them recover from depression. And for some people it does. um, But the most successful ways uh, that we see people actually recovering from depression and getting off antidepressants is if they uh, go see a therapist at the same time as that they're on the same time that they're on the antidepressant drugs. So you want to do both at the same time. It's called a juvent therapy. Um, and when you see a therapist, um, I don't want to rant about therapist too much. Um, if you see a therapist, the therapist should be helping you set benchmarks, helping you set goals, giving you homework assignments, giving you prompts to think about. Um, Your therapist should be doing things so that the conversation that you have with them in their office for 30, 45, 60 minutes carries on outside of it as well, right? So you talk to them for 60 minutes and then you have some kind of process that you're working on for the rest of the week until you see them again. Um, So if you're seeing a therapist, that's great. Congratulations. It's one of the best things that you can do along with antidepressants uh, to deal with um, anxiety or depression. But make sure that you're talking to somebody, communication, um, who's going to be giving you tips and tricks to actually deal um, and recover and get better from what depression is, right? So if you are just taking an antidepressant and you're not seeing or talking to anybody else, it's really like, it's, it's probably helping you and you feel better, but it's really only half of what you need to make a recovery from whatever caused the depression in the first place. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, it really makes sense to like try to tackle this problem from a lot of different ways, right? Because you want to 
have the best possible results. So it does make sense to think about what are all of the different ways that you can try to treat the depression and try to use all of these tools to actually help yourself. And and it can be really hard when you're depressed to be motivated to go to therapy. It can be really hard to motivate yourself to go to the doctor. Um, and so one of those things, I mean, recruiting uh, friends to help you in that process to even, you know, help you make therapist appointments to drive you there. Those things are all uh, great to do as well. But making sure that you're using all the tools available to you um, is the best the best way to treat depression. Um, and and uh, if if you've been listening and you yourself have depression or you know somebody who has, um, it's one of those things where you can always be someone who helps somebody else, right? So if you know somebody who's struggling, just opening up and giving them a space to talk about some of the issues can really help them start to recover too. So you can be that person, you know, like who's the the echo, not the echo chamber, um, the person to bounce ideas off of. We don't want echo chambers, echo chambers, or as everyone just says the same thing over and over again. Um, but you can be <laughs> someone who really helps if you are open to these kind of conversations. And we hope that as one of our listeners, you are a little bit more free in talking about sex, especially with people who are close to you in your life. Yeah. Okay. Do we have anything else that we need to cover today? We have a shout out. So if you or someone you know is dealing with uh, mental health or drug issues, um, you can call 1-800-662-HELP. It's a national referral hotline. It's completely anonymous and confidential. And what they'll do is they will um, help you find somebody um, in your area that you can go talk to about whatever uh, issue it is that you're facing, whether it's drugs or um, mental health or anxiety. and I do have a tip today. You have a tip. What's the tip? My my tip is that um, uh, you're probably listening to us on a cell phone, um, and there are a whole bunch of apps for cell phones now that actually let you talk to a certified therapist or counselor over the phone or text them when you need help. Um, a lot of them will take your insurance as well. So if you if you have medical insurance, um, you can use them, talk to a certified therapist or counselor, um, and have them be more readily available to you. So you can text them. So if you're feeling depressed and you don't want to go to a doctor's office or you don't want to make those kind of appointments, you can actually use these apps to have a direct connection to somebody who can help you in some of the ways that Spring and I were talking about earlier this episode. Yeah. And the the apps have actually performed really well in evaluations of um, how, you know, how they compare to other forms of help as well. So yeah, don't think that they're lesser forms. They are real people on the other ends of these apps and they really do help people. So yeah, consider checking one out. All right. So we're at the end today. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any questions for us or have any follow-up questions about the episode today, feel free to let us know. Um, You can reach us via email. We're thesexwrap at gmail.com. You can uh, call us at 413-I-RAPIT. And then uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If you haven't already followed our uh, accounts there, um, we post pretty frequently. Um, We're all at The Sex Wrap. But thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate.
a sonic universe. <laughs>